Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Today's guest was an intricate piece of the complicated yet beautifully completed puzzle, crafted puzzle, of the talent first and foremost. Stay with me, everybody. Then the many unique charismatic personalities that made the 85 Chicago Bears more than just a football team. He played college football for the University of Pittsburgh, was an All-American, then was selected in the first round of the NFL draft to the Chicago Bears. I'm not sure he knows this, but one of his comrades on the front line and one in the defensive backfield, Tom Thayer, and the late, great Dave Durson, where my brother's roommates at Notre Dame spent many days and nights in the Delta at our house eating two to three steaks at a time, about 14 <laughs> baked potatoes. I'd go, wow, look how much they eat and look how big they are. Look, it's the 85 Bears, so let's get to it. And welcome my pal about to be inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame. I want to discuss it all in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. The great, really good, good guy, my pal Jimbo Covert. Hey, Jimbo. Steve, great talking to you, man. Long time no talk to. Yeah. All right, so I want to uh, break into a little bit of the past. I love talking Wonder Years. My listeners know that. Uh, it's so important, that time in your life. YMCA days, so I was a tailback, and if I knew that you were there, I was grabbing a hold of your back of your belt, <laughs> and I was just following you. But what about the kid on the other side of the line whose dad was going, you can take him? You know, so were you a big kid growing up or did you grow into some size shoe? I, I kind of, I would say not too much, but probably from around eighth, ninth grade is where I really started to sprout up. And then probably from ninth grade to my junior year, my, my senior year in high school, I was 6'5", 255. So <laughs> um, that's uh, pretty, pretty big. And, uh, you know, playing against guys on the other side of the line, you know, on the, when I was playing defense, the guards that were like, you know, 180 pounds. Yeah. It was kind of a mismatch. The bottom line is your hands and feet were magic. They had to be. Yeah. So you had to be a hooper as well. No, no, I, I wrestled. Okay. I wrestled. Oh, okay. And okay. Um, I thought high school wrestling was, you know, such a great sport for offensive linemen. I mean, it teaches you so much about balance and leverage and really good technique and, you know, getting your hands inside. And so I wrestled, you know, started wrestling probably, I think, eighth or ninth grade, and that's what I did. So I, I really loved it, and I was pretty good at it, but I really kind of did it for football, and I think that really helped me a lot. What were your folks like growing up as far as, and sp especially sports-wise? Obviously, they supported you, but were they athletes as well? My dad was at Ambridge High School. He played uh, for a guy named Mo Rubenstein, which is like a legendary coach in Ambridge, PA, right across the river from Aliquippa. So kind of a rich football area, and um, he uh, played and was a really good player. And in his junior year, 
he got hurt. He had a compound fracture of his leg where, you know, it's actually, you know, all the gross bone mm. comes out of the leg and everything like that. Not good. So he never really played after that. But he was my first coach. He was probably my toughest coach as well. You know, everyone talks about Dick could be in tough. I mean, my dad was tougher <laughs> on me than, than anybody. But uh, that's just kind of the way he was. He was a perfectionist, and um, he loved football. And I wish he was around to be here yeah. for the Hall of Fame this year, unfortunately. But so uh, my is, mom will be there, so she'll be there. This she'll is your there. year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, 2020, and unfortunately, they had to postpone it to 2021. So next year, you'll be there. So next year, it'll be class of 2020 going in on saturday and class of 2021 going in on sunday so, so i was i was saturday. getting into that you just fyi but, <laughs> so when you when you found out do you think it took so long because your team was so unique and not I'm, I'm just talking about to me it's more than just being a great football player you guys had another level of something you know the the jack nicholas the tiger woods you guys were that so do you think right. that the fact there were so many you had walter uh god rest his soul you know, I, I knew Eddie and still know Eddie, his brother, for many, many, many years and uh, respect that family so much. But I think about your team, you know, with Mac and just the crazy personalities, but the talent at every position. Do you think it slowed you down a little bit? You know, Steve, I think maybe a little bit on the because the defensive side of the ball got so much notoriety. You know, you see all the documentaries and everything. They talk about the defense, and rightly so. I mean, they're, I think, the greatest defense that ever played, you know. But our, our people don't forget our offense was pretty good. And, um, you know, we had to come from behind in the first three games of the year. Um, uh, to, to, you know, Tampa Bay was beating us by like 25 points at halftime in the first game of the year in 1985. People forget about that. But, you know, we led the league in rushing, led the league in time possession. We were second in the league in scoring. So led the league in first downs. That makes your defense pretty good. So, I mean, we, we were a balanced team, and, but obviously the defense got a lot of notoriety. So I think that hurt me a little bit. And then, you know, only played nine years. So when I got hurt, my, you know, I couldn't play anymore and it was time to hang it up. And I probably could have, snuck a couple more years in there but I just didn't feel like I was the player I was before and I didn't want to do that so I think that had something to do with it as well were there just some like maybe the growing or the something that was constantly ailing you or are you pretty healthy for nine years you know what I was pretty good you know my my uh my three years I started a pit I missed one game and I probably could have played in that game they held me out then my first five years of the Bears I only missed one game and mm. you know they I probably could have played in that game, but then, you know, it's just, you get nicked here or there and, uh, you know, I had an ankle thing I had to play with, um, you know, and had, you do all the injections and everything the last part of the year in 87 and then 88, I hurt my back and I was just never the same player. You know, I came back and played six weeks after surgery on my back, which, uh, really shortened my career. But back then that's what you did. You know, you didn't even think about it. You just, if you could get back on the field, you did. So, right. And that, that really, that really, really shortened my career but you know i wouldn't change a thing i wouldn't change anything differently i did what i did and uh i can say one thing i left it all out on the field i didn't take any of it home that's for now, sure. obviously you didn't who's in the class this year with you oh it's a big class because this is the this is the um uh it was a hundredth year of the nfl so they wanted to make a big class so usually they only put in two seniors every other year. So it's two seniors, one contributor, you know, two contributors, one senior. But this year they put in 10 seniors wow. this year. And uh, I just happened to be one of them. And I think they did it for the, you know, for the, um, you know, for the 100th year anniversary. Well, so, they did it because they put in. 
<laughs> yeah, they put in five modern era guys too. So, and I just think the dynamic changed because you know nothing against the writers, but you know they have their own viewpoints. But this time, you know you had uh, you had guys on the committee that were a little bit different. So you have Bill Belichick and John Madden, right? And, you know, Ozzy Newsom and and guys that played in the league, coaches, personnel guys like Carl Peterson and you know um, uh, Ron Wolf and uh, Bill Poley and the guys like that. So personnel guys. So it changed the dynamic in the room, and I think you know that really helped me. Oh, this a lot, is other than just the writers. So you know, back when when things would work out, and I'd get awarded something very small compared to what you're about to get, because being the NFL Hall of Fame is is the pinnacle. So, uh, have you thought about what you're going to say? I used to think about everything I'm going to say, and then I'd get up there and I'd never look at a page. I never, you know what I mean? <laughs> it turned into whatever it turned into, but it just seemed to work out better. But I do all this preparing. And, and, you know, sleepless nights sometimes because you wanted to get that. This was younger. Now now I'm sort of like uh, totally unaffected. <laughs> and maybe that's bad. But for you, this is a big moment. You know, and, 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 you, and you take this serious because I know that there's a serious side of you when it comes. I've seen the serious side of you. This, is, this was your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's a big class. So they're probably going to limit, you know, you know, you know, the amount of time you're up there. Of course, you know, when guys are up there for over 20 minutes, you know, being in the corporate world for as long as I was, I mean, you lose people after 15 minutes. You sure do. And if you have to talk after that, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So I would say, you know, I kind of have an idea what I want to say. And, you know, I really want to thank my family, my mom and dad. You know, I I always say that I didn't have far to look for role models. They were right down the hall. You know, yeah, so, no, no, I know. And my dad was a steel mill worker, and wow. you know, he, my grandfather worked in the mill for 44 years, Armco Steel. My grand, my grandfather did. My father worked there for 33 till they shut it down. And uh, you know, then he would come. He worked shift work for all those years when I was a kid. And then one week a month, he would come back and come out, have breakfast, and then come back and work on a Sears and Roebuck moving truck for another. Come on, um, eight hours. Oh yeah, yeah. He did that for about 20 years. I mean, it was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, <laughs> pretty good lesson in what work ethic is and how yeah. you work hard. And if you work hard, good things happen to people. So you know, I mean, it's that is pretty, pretty interesting. You know, when I talked to my dad and I talked to my father-in-law about them growing up and the work that they did as kids was so demanding, right? And it was expected from the farm to whatever it was i'm talking about it was intense and it was it was early mornings and late nights and it was just expected and their their work ethic obviously paid huge dividends for me as well i am with hall of fame spitting it out hall of fame about to be inductee 2020 class jimbo covert from the 85 bears the pittsburgh panthers although you know, our family's Notre Dame. It's very difficult for me to say that. But but I'm going to talk about that in his college days in a second. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out everything cool you can do right here. I'm thinking Jimbo is in Pittsburgh. He told me before we got on the air, but he dwells, I think, in Chicago. Still right? You're still in Chicago? I'm in Fort Lauderdale most of the time, Yeah, I got, I, got out of, I got out of there, you know. Come on. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. We're going to be right back. You're in Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. Yeah. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
I'm with Hall of Fame, about to be inducted 2020 class NFL, the great Jimbo Covert. I know he didn't like the word great stuck to his name, but that's what he is, and that's why he's being inducted. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, as always, and go to visitmississippi.org to find out the cool, cultural, very, very historical things you can do right here in Mississippi. And you can go play golf, and you can go hunting, you can go fishing, everything. Musically, we rock. All right, Jimbo, let's go to why Pittsburgh? You know, Steve, I was... Uh, when I was a kid, you know, they weren't very good. And uh, I always wanted to go to Penn State. And um, now it sounds sacrilegious even to say that, but I did. And um, they just weren't very good. But then in 1973, a guy named Tony Dorsett went there and changed everything. Yeah. And, you know, they won the national championship in 76. And that was my junior year in high school. So, you know, they just kind of got really good really quick. And, uh, and I, you know, it was only 20 miles from home. So for me, it was great, right. and uh, I could go home and see my parents. My parents could see me play. All the guys I grew up with, I mean, it was just, it was just a great situation. And then I got a chance to play for a guy like Jackie Sherrill, who, you know, I always admired. And uh, another Mississippi guy, Biloxi. Mississippi State, man. And, he played Coach State. Yeah. 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 And, uh, but grew up in Biloxi. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, it was he was just an outstanding coach to play for, a good man, player's coach. And uh, I just had a great experience there. So are you – I'm trying to sort of wrap myself around this. So was uh, my time with uh, Marino there? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Dan, yeah. Danny and I were roommates. And, okay. Uh, but we had so many guys, like the five, five of us on the offensive line. We had me, um, uh, Paul Dunn, Rob Feta, Russ Grimm, who's a Hall of Famer. That's Mark insane. May. Insane. Um, yeah. Yeah. Bill Fralick, who's a college football Hall of Famer. So, I mean, we had we had some players there, and uh, we were coached by a great guy named Joe Moore, offensive line coach. So, I mean, and we and we blocked for a guy named Dan Marino. So, that's not yeah. too bad. Pretty crazy. What a – that was – now, you got you get there. Do you all win a national championship after that? Or you don't, do you? Or do you? No, we don't. We were, Yeah, no, we didn't. We were second in the – second twice, and um, – you know, and, and you know, when you talk about Mississippi, I was really fortunate enough to play with a lot of guys from Pitt that were Mississippi guys. So, you know, Hugh Grange from Natchez. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Lennon Pappy Thomas are from Pascagoula. So, you know, they, they, we got a great Mississippi representation in Pitt for the years I was there, and they were all great players. Well, that so, was I mean, Jackie. Was I, I guess so. that would be safe to say that Jackie still had his influence yep. down. And, you know, because, you know, back then, were there a lot of national. Uh, well, Pittsburgh was on the national spotlight back then, but USC, Notre Dame, there were certain teams, I guess, that maybe have, were calling cards for athletes all over the country. Was, Pitts, was Pittsburgh and Penn State, uh, to your recollection, was it a whole lot of uh, local kids? Uh, besides these guys at Jackie, obviously, where he's from and all that, but were there a lot of kids from around your area, Ohio, Pennsylvania? Oh, sure. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's where they really – that was the strength of their recruiting was all local kids. I mean – and for all those years, they went, you know, would win with a lot of Pennsylvania kids. And then, you know, yeah. we, they were able to recruit nationally, you know. So, um, and, and when I grew up, it was really, when you were, if you were a great football player in Pennsylvania, I mean, you really, you were really looking at, you know, Penn State, Pitt, Notre Dame, uh, maybe, maybe Ohio State, maybe something like that. But those were really the schools you were looking at if you were a, a really high-quality prospect. You weren't looking too far from there because you had national powers right there. So you're a big kid. You're on the line. You're 6'5". You say you're 255, which is sort of like – I mean, your height and everything is a game-changer. But um, 
I'm just thinking about like in high school being recognized and noticed when there's not all these AAU camps and all these play these Nike uh, Armor Under Armor whatever it is right and AAU more and right. probably in, in basketball I guess but but with that said I was when I was talking to Favre he was talking about he threw for 190 yards in in high school because Coach Irv wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't pass you know and and nobody really knew knew him as a passer because that's not what right. he did so but he was just a really great athlete so. Getting recognized and noticed besides your size, I mean, were there, was it a no-brainer, like when you were in 10th grade it was happening? Or, you know, where, where was that sort of pivotal moment when you became, you got on the scene? I think probably it was my senior year. I think it's just different now, you know, because now you got, you know, all the social media and all the camps, like you said, and, you know, people were going, they're working out, you know, 24 you know, seven, 365, you know, I wrestled in the off season. So, you know, it was different then, you know, and, um, and then, uh, you know, my senior year, I kind of had a little bit of a growth spurt and I went to a small high school, you know, I only had 500 kids in my high school. And so, you know, the, the last guy that got a scholarship was a guy named JD Hagel and he was kind of my idol neighborhood guy. He went to Clemson and then it was me, you know, five, six years later. So wow. there just wasn't a lot of opportunity there. I mean, you had to fight for it. And, and so, you know, I just had to show it up on film and, you know, I went from basically not getting much attention at all to getting recruited by like a hundred schools in like wow. a, a year period. So it was, um, it was, it was pretty crazy, but you know, I mean, uh, I was really lucky that, uh, I went to pit and just got a chance to play with all these great guys. When you, when you're blocking and you know, you've got Peyton or Dorsett in the backfield, right? You just get them. You just give them a, what? You give them an inch. What do you give them? I mean, like you, knowing they're back, <laughs> you got to clear the road, open the valley. What? Whatever it was for the greatest running back ever, and Walter Payton. I mean, what was that like for you? Well, I was. I was. I mean, I didn't get a chance to play with Tony because he was before me. Because I went there after. But yeah, but I got a chance to play. You know, obviously go for Walter Payton, which I think is the greatest running back. But ever lived. I mean, yeah. people talk about that. I think he might be the greatest football player that ever lived. And I mean, when you think about the things he was able to do, I mean, he could run, he could block, he could throw the football further than anybody on the team. I mean, this guy was an incredible athlete and one of the toughest individuals I ever played with. So, you know, him, it's a little bit different now, Steve. You know, they get the five biggest guys and they kind of go sideways and it's all softness and zone blocking. Back then, you mm-hmm. had point of attack, so you really had to Move some guys, the guy right? You were supposed yeah. to move yeah. some guys and yeah. then make a hole. And once you made that hole, man, he was through it. And I mean, that guy was that guy was just amazing. And I remember my rookie year coming in there. And there was a guy named Willie McClendon who was in backup. And I remember telling one of the older guys, Danny Neal, in the center. I said, Danny, Willie's pretty good to go. You haven't even seen Walter yet, you know, because Walter <laughs> wasn't practicing as much back then. And then this guy comes on. I'm like, my God, you know. I mean, that's how great he was. So I just was watching on, and just you know, as my teammate. And we were captains together, but, I mean, I was always in all of them, you know. Yeah, well, let me tell you what. We used to go watch Jerry Rice play at Mississippi Valley State. You know, he was a couple years older, but his his quarterback was in our conference, Willie Satellite Titan. Yep. He was a year older. We couldn't wait for him to oh, leave. Oh, yeah, I remember him, yeah. We couldn't wait yeah. for him to leave. But anyway, the point was, <laughs> the point was we got to see Walter. We got to see uh, Jerry, and you just knew it. Let's dig into you get drafted to the Chicago Bears – um, I mean, like, what's it like? I mean, because – and what was the team like at that point? They weren't very good at all. Um, I think we lost our first, I don't know, four out of five games or four out of six games. So, I lost more games in, in six weeks than I lost in the three years I started at Pitt. Mm. So, so, how um, was that for you? It was, 
it was rough, you know. It was a rough, it was rough, and but but you could see the guys that were there already because you already had Peyton there, you had Jimmy Mack there, you had Hampton, you had McMichael, you had you know Singletary, Fencing. You had a core of guys, you know. You just had to have this, you know, the 1983 class, you know, came in, you know, I think was really the catalyst because you had me and Willie Galt and Richard Bent, Sony, you know, and and Dave Dorson and Mike mm-hmm. Richardson and Tom Thayer was in that class. He came a couple years later because he went to the USFL. So um, that was really the catalyst, and I think that's what brought everybody together because they had a nucleus of guys there. But it just uh, just wasn't gelling, and I think that '83 class brought it in, and then and it became a gel underneath, and that was a great thing. Was uh, so your relationship, you know, with Ditka seems like you guys it had to be him. You know what I mean? So you know, you you see all the stuff on TV, and you see all this and that, but your relationship personally with Coach Ditka? Oh, I had a great relationship with him. You know, he's a tough guy to play for, but fair. You know, but I mean, he just laid it on the line, Steve. When I went into my rookie year the first practice, right? And uh, he gets up and he goes, okay, guys, I got good news and bad news. He said, good news is we're going to the Super Bowl. Bad news is half you guys won't be here when we do. <laughs> and he meant it because yeah. he just felt like there was guys on there that just weren't, you know, paying the price. You know, they weren't willing to pay the price and half those right. guys weren't. And, 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 uh, and, you know, that's football. You know, that's football. And, uh, but he was a perfectionist and he came in there and set the tone. And, you know, you got to have a leader that has bold, you know, bold goals and expects a lot from your right. players. And right. I think that's what Mike did. Wow. I love it. We're going to go into a break real quick. Uh, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio as always. Go to visitmississippi.org to find a lot of cool things you can do right here. You're going to learn all about our history and culture, which is spectacular. All right. Jimbo Covert. Hall of Fame inductee 2020 class of the NFL about to happen. I think he's maybe – are you at an airport in Pittsburgh right now? Where are you at? You tell I'm me actually in, in the Fairmont Hotel. I'm actually in the Fairmont Hotel lobby. Right all now. right, all right. meeting here after this. So, yeah, just right. sitting here chatting with you. We're getting back to so work. i got to right. tell, tell you my Mississippi story. Oh, uh, you get okay. to do it at the before, end before. when we kick into the break, okay. the next break, because <laughs> – okay. but but you get to play DJ first, and we are the birthplace okay. of, mis, of, of music and, and American music. So you talk about Jackie Sherrill coaching you. So let's go Gulf Coast. Would you like to hear either, either Jimmy Buffett or B.B. King? Oh, B.B. King. That's what we got. That's right here with my man Jimbo Covert, 85 Bears and Beyond. We'll be right back. I'm Steve Azar, your Mississippi man. I gave you a brand new Ford, but you said I want a Cadillac. I bought you a $10 dinner, and you said thanks for the snack. I let you live in my pit house. You said with just a shack. I gave you seven children, and now you want to give them back. Just a In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. In the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, that's where I dwell. You should see my surroundings. It's so pure and clean. That's how you should keep yours. Go to visitmississippi.org. 
to find your next getaway, uh, just a road trip away right around the corner. So many great things, blues trails. It takes you all the way to Liverpool, believe it or not, and uh, and country music trail and everything. So many great things. Even our pal Marty Stewart being inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame this year. Uh, he spends a lot of time in his hometown in Philadelphia building his incredible museum. Uh, and now I'm talking to a Hall of Famer-to-be just shortly around the corner, the great Jimbo Covert. He is at his hotel, not an airport. Uh, Jimbo, all right, talk to me about your Mississippi story. What do we got? Okay, so after I retired, that's when Coach Cheryl, Jackie Cheryl, was coach of Mississippi State. So I was in Atlanta on business and had a day to kill. I had to go back in, you know. So I said, I'm just going to go over and see Coach Cheryl. So, so I fly over to, uh, what was that called, the Tri-County Airports uh, over there mm-hmm. and uh, got in and was going to Starkville which was, you know, just beautiful. You know, I had all the fields on either side and going in there. And, um, you know, Jackie was Jackie. He was the same way in Pittsburgh, you know. So uh, you always had to expect the unexpected. So <laughs> so I get my rental car and I get in the Starkville and I get pulled over by the police, right? So a guy taps on my window and I, he says, you Jimbo Covert? I go, yeah, he goes, follow me. It was one of Jackie's guys on the outlook for me as soon as I got in the town. And so then we... Uh, so then we you know, go to the stadium, get ready, and I said, I thought we were going to dinner. He goes, change of plans. We're going to this booster meeting in Tupelo. So I said, all right, I've never been to Tupelo before. So then we get in the back of a state trooper's car. We go about 100 miles an hour to Tupelo. <laughs> did this, did a great Mississippi State you know, booster meeting, got a chance to meet a lot of people, and just had a great time, and then went to dinner afterwards. And uh, one of the great experiences in your life, you remember a lot, especially being with your guy, Jackie Sherrill. So, oh, wow. That was I love a lot it. Of fun. I lo- don't you love it when the cops stop you, and it's a good thing? You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I've been stopped for many things in my life, but uh, and I'll tell you what: if you're going to Arkansas, let me just tell everybody: there is nobody, including me, that has had has gone through Ghoul, Arkansas, or Grady, Arkansas, without getting a ticket. It doesn't happen. You get it, you get it, and you pay it. That's part of the deal. We're talking Jimbo Covert. So, Jimbo, let's talk about that year. You know, you think about the dynasty that could have been, right? You, you, it football the way it is now. You got free agency. I, I understand there's always something going on, but your team doesn't. I mean, think about it. Think about that team. You, do you ever look back and go, "We should have won five, like straight, um, as yeah, great sure, as you were"? Sure. You know. So tell me sure. what happens with you guys. I, yeah, Steve. You know, I think I think the number one reason why we didn't win more is because we couldn't keep our quarterback healthy and that's the number one thing i mean mac was just a reckless player that was his that was his style you know you you wanted him to stay in the pocket and you wanted him to you know uh get in there and throw the football and hey i mean think about the 49ers for years you know i mean if you think about montana even early on you know he got a little pass rush towards him you know he just he just hit the dirt you know, he hit the deck, right? Let's live to fight another day. Yeah. You know, Mac wasn't like that. Mac was like, I can split this guy here. You know, I can I can scramble outside. I can try to hit this guy. And that's when he got hurt yeah. doing stuff like that. So we wanted him to stay in the pocket, but you wanted him to be himself because when he was himself, he made great plays. And that's why we won. So, yeah. um, and then when he got Nick, you know, we just never had, you know, the backups and the other folks that just, you know, could could play at that level like he did and i think that's the biggest reason why well you weren't going to have another mac back there there was no way i mean like it's like you know it just wasn't going to happen so that that was just part of this whole deal so i've had i've had butler so i've had kevin and i've had tom 
And now you, and I've had Mac. Mac was one of my first interviews over three years ago, <laughs> almost three yeah. years ago. Um, and but, but I wanted to ask you, a good friend of mine who I've got to know on radio, Kevin Matthews. Great yeah, radio. Kevin. So, Kevin, yeah. uh, obviously, uh, it, it's just an incredible story. We did two parts. He has a book out called Broken Mary that's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, but anyway, uh, he talked about all of these parties that, uh, I guess, golf tournaments that turned into parties. That You know, you and I are used to the Caddyshack and stuff, and it's a party. Yeah. But his sounded yeah. like there were some things going on that, that exactly weren't. <laughs> they were pretty wild. So uh, yeah. were you a part of those parties? And take me back to just being around all these personalities, including yourself. You know, you had to look in the mirror. You were one of them. But uh, I sort of think you're still sort of the guy that sort of kept everybody responsible. I see you as that. Yeah, that's what I tried to do. I tried to do that because, you know, I was one of the captains and that was expected of me. But, you know, I didn't play golf back then, so I wasn't in a lot of those, uh, you know, uh, golf tournaments turned into parties. But I was uh, I was at a lot of our Thursday night offensive line dinners. Um, which is what kind of our tradition that we started, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And Mac Mac used to come to every one of those with us, and those yeah. turned into parties. So, so Friday Friday practices, uh, you know, sometimes with a hangover and uh, not feeling too good, wasn't all the best fun, but it was fun being around everybody, and that's what we did every Thursday night, hanging out. When Walter was trying, y'all were trying to help him break the record for rushing some some record, Mac that he always tells me about it coach was wanting to run certain plays he'd come in the huddle not necessarily I, let's don't have to we don't have to talk about that as much as was there was mac and coach dick or was there a lot of like uh was there but the great if there was a grapevine in between the two of them by the time the play went into the huddle was there a lot of change sometimes i mean what you're talking about is in the miami game when we lost the game you know it was the only game we lost in 1985 and the reason was that you know we we just didn't play well, and, you know, our defense, uh, you know, Marino was able to kind of, you know, roll out and do some things that our defense just didn't see all year. And it was one of those games, you know. But it was the 13th game of the year. We already locked on home field advantage throughout the playoffs, right? We were undefeated. You know, guys were just trying to get out of the cold and go down there, and we didn't play very well. But what happened was Mac didn't start the game, and then he came in for like a series towards the end. And um, we didn't. It didn't go very well. So the next series, he comes in. He goes, "Hey, Walter only needs like 20 yards to, you know, break the rushing record." He goes, "But you know, Mike's calling a pass." He goes, "Is that okay if I change it?" We're like, "Hell yeah, let's get him the record." So <laughs> ran a running play. He gets 10 yards. Next, <laughs> you see Dick on the sideline screaming, yelling at, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Next call, another pass. comes in another pass. Fellas, we gonna change it again? Yeah, let's change it again. I think three plays, he got the record. So. <laughs> We were just happy to see that because he got 10 100-yard rushing um, games in a row, which was a record at the time, and uh, he deserved it. So we got it for him. Sad. And we were going to win the game anyway. It was just one of those, one yeah. of, you know, hey, every once in a while you just have a bad day, you know, move on. You know what, though? You think about how you guys played in the playoffs and how you guys destroyed the Patriots. That I mean, you think about it. You guys were supposed to win, and you did it. And that, sometimes you're surprised, or sometimes it's more difficult being the favorite like you are, right? So you guys just steamrolled. Oh, yeah. You steamrolled, right? Yeah. yeah. And I always say, people always say, well, you know, you're not undefeated. If you're undefeated, you'd be one of the greatest teams. I think we are the greatest NFL team in history just because of what we were able to do in the playoffs and the domination before right. that, you know. And and also, I think losing to Miami was the best thing that ever happened to us because, it, you know, it reset everybody and said, hey, this isn't going to be easy. 
you know, we got to get out there and, you know, we got to, we, we got to win it. We got to take it. We're just not going to get it given to us. And I just think that reset the team and, you know, refocused us. And you could see what happened in the playoffs after that. I mean, it was just amazing performance. Well, you'd rather it happened then than in the playoffs. <laughs> you know, oh, hell yeah. I mean, look what happened. Look what happened. It happened to, yeah, it happened to, it happened to the Patriots one year when they yeah. went 16-0 and lost yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't, no one even remembers that team. Right now, they remember Eli for what he, you know, and in, in, yeah. in the catch with exactly. the guy with the friggin' exactly. on the face mask, Tyrone. What was his name, Tyree? Well, I can't remember yeah. his name, just, it stuck yeah. to his helmet, you know, it was like yeah. just meant to be, you know, just pretty yeah. crazy. We're with Jimbo Covert, about to be inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame this year. When and I'm wondering, Jimbo, are they going to be, is it going to be live and in person? They're going to do it virtually? What's what are we doing? No, it's going to be live. We're hoping next year because it's going to be next August. So your invite will be in the mail, and I hope you can make it up oh, there. I know you're in Canton, Ohio. It's a blast. It's really, it's really a cool place. And I, I actually went there on a field trip when I was like in eighth grade. That's the first time I went to the Hall of Fame because it's only a couple hours from Pittsburgh. So well, I, would, I would, cool. would miss it if I had to. I mean, listen, at this rate, the way the music business is going, they're not going to have. We're having shows for two years. I mean, we're, uh, we're yeah. just on lockdown. And you know what? My wife, before I called you, had, that's why I'm stu- stumbling and stuttering today. Um, I was up there. We've got this Erase White. She's decided that in one of the many projects that I thought that we were, we couldn't, there was nothing left, but she's reading a lot. And so (laughs) she goes, you know, we have to start at the vents at the top. And they're high, you know, so we have to climb and you you have to climb and we I want to brush all the walls down and you got to first start with the vents because and then you have to all the creases in the doors and the frames. We're going to totally wash the inside of the house from head and now this come take a month and so yeah she's up there still going she got up at 5 30 this morning so i'm uh and i was up with her having coffee so i'm i'm struggling right now but i i did do the bathroom with her and i'm hoping by the time i get up there maybe uh in about four hours <laughs> stay down here <laughs> she'll have made it she'd have gotten it done uh we're with jimbo covert you're in the keep mississippi beautiful studio he's a beautiful man beautiful soul so many so much greatness he's accomplished in his life uh go to visit mississippi.org to find out all the cool things like going to tupelo mississippi like what he did with jackie Sherrill back in the day go check out elvis's birth home and uh, just so many incredible things to do in that part of mississippi it rocks i'm steve azar you're in the mississippi minute we'll be right back Folks, for over 75 years, Guarantee Bank has been committed to meeting the financial needs of their customers and communities. Even during this challenging time, that commitment remains the same. They're always there to serve your everyday banking needs, answer your questions, offer support, and get through this together. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Rolling down a Mississippi highway with the great Jimbo Covert. I love talking to some old 85 bears. I've got one, two, my fourth, my fourth bear to talk to. And uh, it's pretty cool to have four of them from the same incredible football team. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. 
visit Mississippi.org is the place to go to figure out what you're going to do this weekend. Trust me. So many great things. Uh, Jimbo, life after football, right? You retire. Mm-hmm. You, t- you tell me nine years. You, you put it all, like you said, you put it all in and left it all out on the field for nine years. Um, when you have to put your cleats up and you have to do was there a, a moment when you just sort of woke up and, it, and there was almost like sadness or, or was it easy for you to move on? You know, I, I think my last year I was on IR and I was kind of expecting all this, you know, I was getting some offers from some other teams and, you know, my contract was expiring after that year. And, and, but I just, I just knew it was time, you know, I just felt, you know, I physically, I just couldn't do it. So um, I, I just started to look around at what I was going to do, you know, after football. And, you know, we didn't make the kind of money these guys make today. So you actually had to work if you wanted to maintain a lifestyle that uh, you were kind of accustomed to. So, right. you know, I, I was really lucky. I had some in Chicago. I mean, it's one of the greatest cities in the world to, to be a professional athlete in. And, you know, when you're done playing, you have so many opportunities. So I met so many great people in business. And, you know, I started my career in sales at a company called Baxter Healthcare Corporation, and, uh, and then I went to Caremark, which is now Caremark CVS, and, you know, I kind of moved around a little bit and uh, just started my career in the corporate world, and, uh, yeah, now I'm in the private equity space and healthcare and really loving it, and, you know, I, I was a CEO for 10 years and finally retired after that and got into private equity, and it's it's, it's been a lot of fun. Only you, it makes sense that you'd become the CEO because of your background. This is how you were raised and the hard, the the work ethic from your dad and your mom. Um, but I'm trying to imagine you going from football to that. It sounds like your transition was better than anybody I've ever heard. And Tom Thayer seemed really, really good and solid as well. Um, you look at the late, great Dave Durson, who I just love so much. And I, I'd reconnected him and my brother because we were doing this charity event. And he actually got engaged that summer and we were all going to be going back to the island he was going to get married there and we we're all going to be there and then you know i'd gotten him and freddie uh, on the phone together they had not talked in so many years and just to hear that just they both were laughing and smiling through the phone and i just you who you know you just don't know right and and yeah. it was hard for him obviously and very difficult after football yeah you know, Dave did really well. I mean, he, he did some nice things and, you know, started in the, you know, uh, supplying some, you know, sausage uh, 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 and some, some uh, meat products from McDonald's and other right. fast food franchises. Right. And then he just kind of got sideways on a couple things. And, uh, and you know, I think what happened with it is because of, you know, what was happening, uh, you know, with his, with you his, know, yeah. his head yeah, trauma. Head. Right. And, and he wasn't. But you know what? I saw him. Uh, at a Bears thing, it couldn't have been more than six months before, maybe even less than, maybe four months before that. We were talking about because he had a place in Miami, and I said, "Hey, let's go down and play golf. Come up to my club." And I couldn't tell anything. Right. So you know, when you when you get like that, I think a lot of people that get in that position of hot hit it for so long, they do a good job of it to to, right. to keep it from people. Yeah, never and, thought. Uh, never they're thought. embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that was tough. And I wish, you know, you think back on that. You said, "What did? What could you have done? Could you have said yeah. something? Could you have done something as a teammate?" But you know, when guys keep it close to the vest, it's hard to right. do that. The ones that reach out for help is the ones you you just got to be listened for. We're gonna miss him forever, and we'll we'll be re- reunited yeah. eventually. Uh, but yeah, he's a good oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, just. You're retired now again? Are you done? Are you playing golf? How's no, your game? I'm working. No, I'm, wor- I'm working in the private equity world, and uh, you know, I've been I've been working with some companies over the years. After I 
you know, retired as a CEO and uh, in a private equity space, you know, serving on some board of directors. And it's all healthcare because that's all I've been in my t- entire career. So all healthcare related businesses. And, you know, I work for a company called Cressy and Company in, in Chicago. I got great partners and we invest in all kinds of different businesses from dental to veterinary to, uh, you know, healthcare technology, IT. So, I mean, we, we've, uh, they got great leadership there. I'm just happy to be part of it. And, um, you know, I mean, anytime we can go out and try to grow companies and employ people and get people working is, is, is a great thing. And that's what we try to do. What about your kids, just briefly before we hit the road? How are they doing? Yeah, they're all doing good. They're all doing good. My oldest, uh, Casey, is uh, 40. He's a welder and doing great. And uh, my daughter, Jessica, works for a, a IT company in, 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 in Chicago. And then my son is uh, with a, uh, um, a corporate uh, supply company as well. So they all are doing well and all employed, which is great, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you know. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and this time it's very, been very difficult, yeah, but uh, God bless him for doing great. I love it. Well, God bless you, my brother. I appreciate you for spending a Mississippi minute with me, uh, Jimbo. I'm so proud of you. I know that. I know that your dad's shining down on you right now, and is just going to be there in spirit, and more than that, in your heart and soul when you when you finally get to step up there and become a Hall of Famer. Uh, we'll see each other hopefully sooner than later. And uh, thanks for spending a Mississippi minute. You've been in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, everybody. The great Jimbo Covert, 2020 class Hall of Fame, about to be inducted. And uh, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, and now you're not. Thank you, Jimbo. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, my man. You're the best, pal. I'll see, see you later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Hey folks, for over 75 years, Guarantee Bank has been committed to meeting the financial needs of their customers and communities. Even during this challenging time, that commitment remains the same. They're always there to serve your everyday banking needs, answer your questions, offer support, and get through this together. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.